a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, uh, the podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but they're humble. Holy way of living is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am excited for you to meet them. Uh, now, I've mentioned on this show more than once that what a big C.S. Lewis fan I am. Uh, and for those of you that only know C.S. Lewis uh, as the author of Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, like I did for years, I, I really can't urge you strongly enough to read, go out and read any of his other writings like uh, mere Christianity or the Screwtape Letters, and you will be absolutely unconditionally blown away by the reflection and the insights and the wisdom that he shares on faith and Jesus and and each other and just and everything, just like living. Um, and he was an atheist uh, before he became one of our most influential writers on, on Christian faith. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, speaking of C.S. Lewis, uh, which is why I brought him up, uh, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes uh, that I also know I've shared uh, more than once on this podcast, I think even in this season, is that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. Meaning, of course, that when we're you know, in the most need, uh, God is trying the hardest to get our attention. Well, today's guest is here because he, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> has been shouted at a lot, um, but he has responded uh, to what Lewis calls God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world by, uh, by getting it down on paper in a very cool new book called The Light Through the Pouring Rain, which is an autobiographical account of a young couple tackling some pretty serious issues uh, together and with God uh, to turn tragedy into triumph. And that last little bit, I did not write. Uh, our guest wrote that. So you can tell he's a great writer. So anyway, uh, I don't want to say much more for, feel, for fear of uh, kind of spoiling the ending. Uh, I'll let him do that. Uh, so let's get right to it and welcome today's Mana Man, Mr. James R Ruvacaba. <laughs> Sorry, I, I totally had the phonetic uh, pronunciation of it and I still stumbled on it. But anyway, James Ruvacaba. Hey, James, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Honestly, Jeff, if there's any way I could hire you full time to do introductions for me wherever I go in public, I think we need to discuss business afterwards because that was quite the introduction, sir. I appreciate it. Wow. We are very, very honored to have you <clears throat> on MANA, and uh, I really can't wait for you to share to share your story. So let me just give our listeners a little bit of context before we kind of launch right into it, because um, I, I think you know sharing how you and I connected uh, really kind of sets the stage. So, so James reached out a couple of weeks ago with just the best note, introducing himself and his story, um, because, you know, as you explained it to me, you really thought that our listeners here at MANA would benefit from hearing it. So this is not about, even though he's got a book, uh, which is really good, by the way, uh, even though he's got a book, this isn't just about selling books. Uh, this really, you know, you've really got a powerful story uh, to share here, James. So uh, so let's let's just kind of get right into it. Well, I want you to kind of start from, uh, we're going to go a little bit further back later. Like I want to hear about your background, you know, your childhood, all that kind of stuff. But let's maybe, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the book and really what it's about and kind of how you got to the point of wanting to share 
the story that you're about to tell us with so many other people. Okay, yeah, not a problem. I look forward to all the topics we're going to cross over today. Uh, we'll start off with the book here. So the title is The Light Through the Pouring Rain. I thought that was a, a, a good way, like a good metaphor to speak about, uh, you know, like the little, you, know, you see it in, the, in our skyline here and there when the, after a cloudy day or it's just been pouring constantly and you just see that little ray of sunlight there. And I use that as a metaphor to discuss how my fiance and I dealt with uh, her cancer diagnosis. We kept everything as wide as possible. We tried to make uh, light of the situation. We tried to use our sense of humor to kind of make our everyday life a little bit simpler, a little bit easier. Tried to take it, not try to make it, not to dwell on the situation, not to dwell on the negative situation as a whole. So I use the title there to kind of metaphor, well, you know, that sort of uh, meaning behind it. So to kind of give a brief little synopsis here about the story, my fiance and I, uh, Annabelle, we uh, we were together for five years and she had cancer for three of those years. Now, both of us together were both in about our mid to late 20s here. I'm 28 now and the story takes place two years earlier. So I was 26 when I, when, um, you know, the uh, her passing happened. So. You know, um, I, I wanted to explore, I wanted to represent, uh, the male perspective onto this tragic scene because I've heard, I hadn't really heard anybody in our age range documented. Like I'm, like I said before, like I know we're not the first ones to go through, but to actually document it, I wanted, um, I had did some digging and nobody had truly were, you know, no one was really able to capture the true feeling of it because you know, I think everybody's known somebody who's had cancer and, you know, and, uh, you kind of know the basics. I think everybody does, you know, the balding, the weight loss, the, the sick to the stomach, the chemotherapy, everybody knows that, but nobody really spoke about the, the emotional toll it takes on one. And especially once you get, uh, diagnosed with it, like my fiance was, it's, it's hard for people to keep their eyes to the sky because they feel like, how could, how could God do this? How could he allow this to happen to us? And, you know, and I'm sure there's so many who've done it. And I'm not one to judge. Who am I to judge here? But, you know, the way my fiance and I and our families together navigated was to keep our eyes to the sky and use God as our navigator. Yeah. We didn't exactly have a tour guide. We didn't exactly have anybody to rely on. There was no blueprint to lean on. So, you know, uh, I wanted to be, sort of speak, like the blueprint. I wanted people to rely on our authority. And I wanted people to you know, feel comfort that they, they're not the only ones who've gone through this. You know, unfortunately, there's going to be somebody after us. But I wanted people to know, like, you know what? There is another couple out here. We're not on the top of a mountain screaming by ourselves. There's others around us. And that's what I wanted to do with this book here. That's so cool. How how did, you know, and what is so neat and, and what brought you to this podcast is obviously the role that faith played in, in helping you and Annabelle get through it prior to the diagnosis, prior to, you know, and, you know, Abraham Lincoln has a great quote too, what back when he was, you know, president, he said, you know, oftentimes I find myself on my knees because I had nowhere else to go. Uh, did you and Annabelle, would you, would you characterize the relationship that you had prior to the diagnosis as also being very strong in faith? Or was this really a moment that really, you know, got both of you focused on, on the power of faith and, and the, and the, and the need that you had for it? Or, or was that, has that, was that always a part of your relationship? You know, it, it started to develop over time. You know, when we first were dating, we didn't exactly say like, this is the type of person we do. I, 
at that time, you know, not, we believed in God just like every, you know, for like most do. Um, but it wasn't necessarily one of the first things we spoke to each other about. You know, we got to know each other and along the lines, we started to find out what, you know, how we felt about faith. And, you know, uh, to give you a quick little story, you know, I'm, since you're a faithful fan, man, this will make nothing but sense to you. Uh, about our second year in our relationship, my uh, cousin had got into a, a wreck. He actually ran into an electrical pole in uh, Chinatown with his uh, little community inside of uh, Los Angeles. So he goes, he goes from a Dodger game, he's driving, and unfortunately, he runs into the electrical pole. Now this electrical pole lands onto his car, and he, his friend who drove the car was intoxicated. He jumped out of the car, and he ran away, leaving my cousin in the car. And the car is on fire. It's blowing up. The electric pole is sparking. car is going to blow up any minute. As he looks to his right, his, uh, his uncle on the other side of the family is at the bus stop, and his uncle happened to just... You know, I don't condone it, but he had just escaped rehab about nine <laughs> hours earlier and 25 miles away. And if, uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know how far that is in distance in terms of a walk. It took him nine hours to be there at 2 a.m. at nighttime. Yeah, I don't know exactly what time he left during the daytime, but he, he escaped and somehow, some way, you know, you know how God works. There's not always a rhyme or reason to, but, you know, it just happens. So. Thank God for that. But he, wow. he happened to be right there where he saw the whole thing take place and he happened to pull my cousin out very last minute right before the car exploded. It was like a, a 21 Jump Street movie scene. The car exploded right behind them. They, oh they got long, they got thrusted forward. But what were the chances of that happening? A movie, if we, you, oh either you God. or I saw that in a movie, we'd be like, that's the corniest, cheesiest yeah. thing we had ever seen. Uh-huh. But as two men who are a faith that makes nothing but sense like who yeah. else could have done that but god so oh my that god. was the turning point for my fiance i when we were like you know what this is a little too undeniable you know at times we'd be like i think like most like when a negative situation happens god how could you let this happen and then when things go good oh thank god you know but the same man who prevented the pain is the same man who got you these good you know all the glory and all the goodness in your life so you know it goes hand in hand so yeah, as we proceed to go, that was the real turning point of our faith in our second year together. Now, once the cancer diagnosis happened, we con- we continue to say, ha- it was too undeniable to say, yeah, that God's not evident. He is evident in all our lives, you know, whether you choose to accept it or not. And after that situation with my cousin, we're like, yeah, we're open about it. We talked about our prayers, how we keep our eyes to the sky, yeah. how we, you know, we lean on God, we lean on, you know, sometimes even the, the question mark sometimes we have no idea why we're going through this you know so uh it was that turning point that did it and our faith only built that much stronger together as we started to proceed through the cancer diagnosis yeah i don't want to um <clears throat> i don't want to uh spoil anything from the book because i think people would really benefit from reading it but but can you describe um so this journey this faith journey that you and annabelle went on through all of these you know, moments and even, even in the, even in the darkest, you know, I'm sure there were, there were glimpses since you had your eyes, as you say, to the sky, there's, you can see the, you can, you know, you experience that love and that, and that comfort. But when it, when it was final, you know, when, when, when it was actually, you know, when the, when this little bit of the journey, at least, at least with Annabelle came to a conclusion, can you share what that felt like, um, you know, and, and specifically kind of that, the relationship with God and, and kind of, you know, did it, did it, uh, I have to believe there was that, that finality 
felt like something different, um, even though obviously your faith was never shaken. But what was that like, you know, kind of when, when, you know, it was kind of the three of you going through it, you, Annabelle, and Jesus. And then, and then there was, you know, you and Jesus, you know, or, 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 di- or did it feel like that or not? Was there, was there a sense of conclusion at the end of the journey or what, what did that feel like for you? Sure. You know, um, about a week prior to you me knowing, like one of the things about the book is like, I didn't know it was the end until it was the end. You know, and I'm sure that's how we have to stay in the moment and live or conduct our lives as if every day could be your last, you know, um, we had a we had a conversation and it kind of tied all the pieces the loose ends to our relationship. You know, we told each other things that we hadn't said previously to each other. But to be honest with you, at that moment when we were doing that, it just seemed like wow, we were just having a deep conversation. It wasn't until mm-hmm. the following week later that I was like, man, that was our last conversation together, you know. And when mm-hmm. I said my goodbyes and I made my promise to her, um, you know, I went I I had to man up and you know I didn't express any emotions initially because. I needed to be the anchor, so to speak. We would always tell each other, we would hold each other down like an anchor. Like, no matter how bad it got, we'd always be there for each other. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to be the, the strength of the relationship. I know I needed to push out for my family and her family, you know. It's, it's such a devastating thing, but, you know, death is something I'm familiar with, unfortunately, with so many family members I've lost in the past. So this is not uncharted waters, so I needed to be the strength. So as I got done saying my goodbyes to her, I, you know, built up the strength to go speak to your family and communicate what was happening. And they, you know, they heard me out and they respected my my last wishes for her, you know, and they did it, you know, thank God to them. So yeah. as I went home that night, I, I made a prayer, you know, and I stayed in the book that I told God, I told God that, you know, if you don't answer another one of my prayers, that'll be perfectly fine. As long as you answer this one, that if you could take her in your sleep peacefully, I'll be forever in debt to you. And from that point on, I guess it was a little bit previous to that. It just like my faith just never could be swindled just because I felt like such a oh because that's how she went. I had my I said my last my goodbyes to her on a Thursday and she technically passed away on a Friday the next day. So I did get a text message from her family saying that she had passed on. I knew in that moment that uh it was meant for me to have my own personal moment with her to say goodbye. But I didn't want to take the spotlight away from her family or you know, get her attention just solely on me when she had other new sensitized, so to speak, with her family. Yeah. So that's how I made that constant decision. But once the prayer got answered and I heard that uh, through her sister-in-law had texted me saying that she had went peacefully in her sleep, I said, like, you know, my my faith could never be, you know, deteriorated or off track because God had been so, he had blessed me so much because even in the beginning of the story, I, I go to say that we we were together for five years and she had cancer for three. But in her last moments, the doctor had said that she could have passed away at any given moment within the three years. We just had wow. no idea. Wow. So uh, my mission statement, I say in the back of the book, and, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to say elsewhere that, uh, you know, I always want to honor my uh, fiance's legacy, but also be a testimony of God's goodness. And, you know, a lot of people have said, like, question that, like, well, what does that mean exactly? And I'm like, I'd be happy to clear that up for you. So I mean, what I mean is like, you know, I, I always honor any chance I get to say your name, Annabelle, I'll definitely take any of anybody up on the opportunity, but to be a, a testimony of God's goodness is to be blessed with an additional three years with her. So many memories took place in those three years. And the thing at any given moment, those could have been taken away blow my mind, you know, but at the same time, I started thinking what have, could have, should have, 
or thinking about the anxieties. You know, I just thought, you know what, let's just stay in the moment. I was very thankful to God that I was able to stay in the moment and be blessed with an additional three years with mm-hmm. her. Yeah, right. No, I think that's really, I just, I love the reflection. I love the self-awareness, you know, and I just think that's, that's what makes, that's what makes your story relatable. That's what makes the writing so, uh, so well done. Well, uh, well, hey, we are actually uh, now at the um, fun segment of the show here, James, uh, where we ask the same three questions of every guest. And then, and then uh, the listeners of Mana, we we vote, uh, and we basically vote people off the show if they don't have a good answer. I'm, I'm kidding; we don't do that. So we ask the same three questions, and uh, and we see what you have to say to these. So you've had a little bit of prep on these, and so we'll uh, we'll see uh, how you would answer them. So fun segment question number one is: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out for the day, you got a whole day with Jesus. You can do anything you want. How are you spending the day with Jesus? You know, Jeff, that might be one of the best looking questions I've ever met. And I mean, sincerely, maybe possibly the most difficult question I've ever been asked in my, in my entire life. <laughs> you know, there's so many different avenues to go with it. But, you know, I'm I'm a very straightforward guy. I'm a real boring man to, as a whole. You know, I'm very simple. Uh, I thought this one through and I just thought, you know what? My mom had some of the best cooking. I wouldn't mind just, you know, being a little selfish and keeping Jesus at the house, you know, have him over for a family dinner, <laughs> you know, have Jesus over, you know, turn on some of my, uh, I'm a undercover uh, wrestling fan, maybe turn on some wrestling, you know, but, you know, have that in the background as, you know, we're eating, enjoying some of my mom's uh, dinner here, but, you know, just to pick his brain, to see like the strength, you know, I, it's funny we mentioned this because earlier I was at the gym and I was carrying a weight and I, I'm not lying to you that I was carrying the weight and I was like, man, to think Jesus did this for us, for our sins. And he carried this mm-hmm. weight up, up of a fountain. I'm like, how could he do that? And I could barely hold up a hundred pounds over my, over my shoulder here, you know? So just mm-hmm. to kind of get his perspective on life, his perspective on strength and what it means to, you know, find peace. And I think that's what we're all trying to do as a whole. So I would just sit there and pick his brain. You know, I wish I could take him to an event, but with a, the COVID restrictions, I'm sure it'd be, <laughs> it'd be a little, a little bit of a tall task to handle that one. So, right, you know, just have right. Jesus over for dinner. That's good. I could break a little bread and I love it. All right. Fun segment question number two. Uh, if you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, uh, famous or not, you can know him, you can not know him. It's your choice. Yeah. But you, but you're going to church and you're, and the only rule is you got to go with another guy. Who are you going to church with? Okay. Uh, you know, this one was a lot easier than the first one. It took me some prep time for sure. Uh, you know, but that, that one's pretty easy to me. I would say Tyler Perry and he's, you know, he's still alive. Oh, he's, I would yeah. definitely go with that man. Uh, you know, knowing, reading some of his books and, you know, seeing some of his documentaries, that man's been, uh, you know, through hell and back, and he, you know, he kept his eyes to the sky as well. You know, he he is what he is today. You know, the owner of a whole movie studio, his hands in every pot. But I really, you know, I really admire him from a distance by just how he was able to keep his faith during such hard times. You know, he he witnesses his mom getting uh, physically abused by his uh, dad, and to you know have so many uh, to watch that so many times, it's got to take a toll on you, and especially as a child watching that. And then just to see him follow his dreams when he didn't have two pennies to rub to his name, he was able to, you know, live in his car and just suck it out. You know, I, I admire him by just constantly chasing his dream, you know, but he, just working part-time jobs just to save up enough money to, you know, to get 
uh, theater time just so he could re- reenact one of his plays from, you know, as he was writing as a child is, is inspiring because, like, even though we all chase our dreams and we wish it was just really black and white, like, I have a dream, I chase it, I accomplish it, that's it. Uh, I think you and I both know, especially since you have a platform, that's the farthest from the truth. Uh, that so many times we fail, we, we have ups and downs, and honestly, we probably fail more times than we succeed. But to see him fail so often and it just for 10 years, like, I cannot imagine 10 years of failure. I, I turn off my Xbox after two times, two attempts <laughs> at a, a boss mission, let alone a man, you know, 10 years straight. So yeah, I definitely great. would go with uh, Tyler Perry if I had the option. All right. I love it. I love it. That's great. All right. Last question. Uh, fun segment question number three. If you could give uh, a piece of advice, one piece of advice to a younger man about, you know, living a life like yours. A, a, a life of confident faith, um, you know, the kind of faith that'll get you through some really, really tough times. What would that one piece of advice be? You know, uh, I, I see it's become trendy and I, and I live by the thing, you know, like that we're all kings and queens and we are in our own right are kings and queens. And I would tell people that you wake up with a crown on your head and that, and you go to sleep with a crown on your head. And nothing in between that morning and that nighttime should knock the crown off your head. And what I mean is, like, you need to have such confidence in yourself, such confidence in your abilities, you know? We all have that little voice that you know is is godly speaking to you. And if you don't have the little voice, you have that feeling in your heart and your soul that you're meant to do something. You know when you've done something. We all have the the sixth sense, so to speak. Like, the, if you know you're doing, you're making a wrong choice or you're making a great choice. And... I, you need to follow that confidence and you need to have the mentality that you really are a king and you really are God's child. And mm-hmm. there should be nothing that takes that crown off your head. You know, he put it, God placed it on all our heads. It's just, it's a matter if we really believe it or not. And, you know, our actions go to show for it. So I would tell people, and I've, and I've really had these conversations. I really have given this advice to people though. There's nothing from the morning to the nighttime that should knock your crown off. Not a person, not a thing, not a situation not an event, not an emotional soul, anything shouldn't knock your crown off. So as long as you wore that, you know, that crown of faith on your head, I think you'll be able to position yourself to meet your blessing halfway and do what you're meant to do. I love it. That's great. I haven't heard that and I'm totally going to use it. I'm going to rip it off and, and tell everybody. <laughs> that was it right there. Just, that just was... go ahead, edit it and just put your, uh, put your voice to it. And I'm like, that's I'm like, that's exactly. the greatest thing I think I've ever heard. That's right. That's right. No, I would totally, I would totally as a, as a fellow writer, I would attribute to my source just like uh, we attribute uh, this great conversation. So thank you so much, James Ruvakawa. See, I got it right at the end there. Um, thank you so much for being on Mana. Thank you for your story and, and everything you're doing out there to share it with others. I appreciate you again. I can never thank you enough for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>